Fearless. Chase. Bold. Following. Courageous. Search. I'm Aaron. And I'm Marshall. And this is Undaunted Pursuit. Hey guys, welcome back to Undaunted Pursuit Podcast. Uh, Marshall has been unable to make it today, but we have a special guest. And if you've ever heard any of his music, it's phenomenal. And I'd like to introduce to the show, Strawn Coleman. Thank you, Strawn, for being here today. Thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure. It's great to be here. And uh, I guess we can also say that you are now a uh, best-selling author. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I don't know about that, but I'm an author and I, I, we've just released my book. And, you know, it's a strange feeling. I writing a, writing a book to me feels like a way stranger and bigger deal than writing an album. And I can't figure out why, but it, it feels like a real beautiful gift to have been able to done that in my life. So I'm... I'm happy. Well, we're glad to have you here today. And uh, of course, talking to each other from across the world, which is always cool. I've done several um, podcast interviews with people throughout the throughout the world in the past. And uh, it always baffles me this, even though yeah. we had a little uh, trouble with technology getting on today, but um, that we can still do it. So it's awesome. Yeah, man. It's a gift. So Strawn, tell us about a uh, little bit about yourself and then we'll we'll get into the, your book and your music and we'll just go from there. Cool. Yeah. So I hail from a very small part of the world, commonly known as Hobbiton, otherwise known as Aotearoa, New Zealand. And uh, I have sort of been a really most of my life in the arts. So musician, and solo artist and did a lot of travel for there and I, I think I've sort of when I think about who I am probably that artist's heart is really central to my to my being and so I started doing music in my early 20s and, and traveling and recording records under the name Strawn uh, and have kind of been on this journey I guess of of wanting to keep going deeper and deeper into layers with God and, and what that looks like. And I've been through a bunch of different traditions over the years and that exploration, but my longing has always been to kind of go into those deep places myself and then find language to share that with others. So these last number of years, uh, I actually, along that journey of, of um, music, started to become very unwell, chronically sick, and, and have been sort of wrestling with this chronic illness condition for 10 years-ish. And uh, so sort of made this pivot, I guess, just not on on purpose, but naturally started moving towards writing kind of poetry and prayers as a way of kind of expressing my life when I was uh, in a difficult season. And that led to starting Commoners Communion, which was this really the space for exploring prayer and union with God. And so I've been doing that for the last six or seven years. And yeah, just wrote this book and uh, live in a small beach town uh, on the beach with my three young boys, drinking coffee, writing, and uh, and and being a human being. Oh. So yeah, that's me. That's awesome. I, I almost uh, kind of envy you. I, I love the beach town. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's beautiful here. It is like living in heaven every day. I it is. <laughs> so this new book of yours, I I, I really want to. I've been listening to a lot of your music, and uh, but I want to get into this book because um, the more I read it, the more 
I absolutely love it. And this is not your first book. Is that correct? No. So I've I've actually released three prayer books, which are sort of writings and devotions and contemplations. So they're more like the prayer books are the kind of thing you might wake up in the morning with your coffee and read one prayer and a devotion. It's like a single page and then kind of launch into mm-hmm. your own prayer. But this new book, Beholding, is really my, it's like a full nonfiction. Me basically saying, here is the life the theology and the the prayer that goes behind those other three period books that I'd written that were a bit more abstract and artistic. Now, the Be- beholding is your new book, and yep. it's uh, about it's a different way to look at prayer and the different mm. because of course we uh, we've talked on this podcast about what prayer is, and I've I've described it as uh, a lot like you, which is why I'm tracking with the book. I haven't made it all the way through your your book yet, but um, I'm loving it. But I, I, I've talked on here before about talking with God as um, just sitting right next to you. Like, he's always in your presence. You don't have to ask him to be there. If you, uh, he's always there. And I, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I sort of came from a background in in my faith where so much of the emphasis was on God, would you, you know, would your presence come to me or would you arrive to me or I don't know, whatever language you like, would you, I need more of you in my life. And what this book is sort of exploring is my revelation that, yeah, this access to God is done and dusted. You know, we are already living inside of God. That's sort of what Pentecost and, and Jesus, Jesus accomplished and what the Pentecost accomplished. So, there's this sense of prayer being an awakening to sort of capital R reality, awakening to God's withness. Uh, and I don't think that means, by the way, because uh, there's always two extremes, isn't it? Oh, God's with me. I never have to ask him to be. And then the other extreme is God's never with me and I have to ask him to arrive. And I think there are layers. You know, we see in Scripture this tension of we, we both have God, but we're also asking and seeking and knocking for more of God. I just think it's important that we we always pray from this place of I already I'm already loved and accepted. I'm already filled with God. He's never leaves me, but I might want to experience that mm-hmm. in greater measures. So there's in some ways there's the theological reality and then there's the experienced reality and our life is about trying to bring these two things into into union with each other to be one thing. Um but theologically and what I'm saying in the book is most of the time it's us just struggling to accept that we are already loved, filled, and completely engulfed in the beauty and wonder of God, which is it's just an amazing statement. I, I like it. And it you talk about just, you don't necessarily have to talk all the time. I mean, you always got to mm. leave room to listen. You, you know, um, we always say to speak less and hear more. And how mm. do you hear you, you, I even find myself questioning how can I listen to God better? And yeah. your your idea of beholding in this new book of yours um, really kind of explains that. I really liked when I got into chapter two, learning to re- rebreathe, and yeah. the idea of just being alone with God, just spending that quiet time in the morning or whatever time of the day you take, just sitting there in silence. I am an avid hunter, and that is probably one of the best experiences is just to be out in God's creation alone and say nothing. I mean, of course, you're trying to be out there Mm. as quiet as can be. So what else do you have to do other than dwell in God's presence and his creation? Mm, Yeah, 
And I, the funny thing is, is that it's often so natural for us in the early days. It's like when we were a kid, it's really natural for us to just see the world as a beautiful place and an exciting adventure. We get older, we start to see the world a little differently. And it's the same with faith. It's like often early in our faith, we have this sense of, man, God loves me and he's with me. And I, you know, I can just be with him. And I think actually, ironically, the, mm-hmm. the more we grow in our faith, the harder that is to stay in. And I agree. I mean, I, I think I do spend a lot yeah. of time in the book saying, you know, we've come to see prayer as only conscious mental dialogue. In other words, like inner speaking with words and communication. And I say something and hopefully God will say something back in my language audibly in a way that I can understand. Mm-hmm. Uh and what I'm trying to say is, what if there is a more expansive existence where uh, our being with God is almost this posture of openness toward him in all of our lives? And of course, that doesn't mean we don't verbalize things at times and we don't you know, pray and intercede and read Psalms and all that. But I, I, I think this foundation of our mm-hmm. lives is meant to be this kind of soul nakedness, this kind of like bearing all before God and allowing God to bear all before us. And that's almost, and that's why beholding, I find it such a provocative word because it's this sense of just to see God in our lives, just to behold him and be held by him is the sort of foundational posture, I think, and all other forms of prayer kind of sprout from there. But that redeems every part of our lives, whether you're hunting or playing with your kids or at work or studying. I think all of that can be done from mm-hmm. a sense of witness with God. And they, they become so good and beautiful when we can live that way. And you think of beholding as it's more, um, and you may have said it in a little bit more eloquently than I do, but you know that's what we do here on this podcast is put it into real <laughs> uh, simpler terms as beholding is more intimate. And it's it's what you would expect your father in heaven to do is to is to it, it, beholding kind of to me suggests of like a drawing in and yeah. to as if I can get that yeah I, I I think it's just a more intimate way of looking at prayer than just the word prayer and praying and that's yeah. in what the common stigma is mm. yeah and I think you know as I've spent about when I started this journey about seven or eight years ago, I kind of, people would say, oh, it's like you've been reading this guy or this guy or, and I was like, I've never heard any of this stuff. You know, I kind of fell on it through just years of isolation and sickness. And so I started going back to a lot of church history, actually, and a lot of the early church. And this sense of kind of learning to behold God was was often seen as this endless journey of faith that, you know, like we don't necessarily quote unquote arrive and certainly I don't know anyone who would say that they have clocked prayer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like prayer is one, it's kind of almost like saying I've I've clocked being a good person. <laughs> right. It's like every time you think you've got there, you just do something totally outrageous and surprise yourself at your own inability to get it right. Um and uh but the early church and and sort of through church history, there's always been this idea that we are growing in our ability to admire God. And the the more that we practice just seeing and being with God, the more addicted we become to his goodness and the more transformed we are. And so it's this, this, and and because I love what you're saying, that it's this maturing place, but it's like this place where we never necessarily meet maturity, but we we meet maturing. And that process of maturing is just pulling us in deeper and deeper into layers of God. And, um, but I I do, I think it's important to stress that that is what maturity looks like. Because I think sometimes, 
people can imagine that in prayer, maturity looks like, I don't know, seeing lots of visions or being really eloquent with your language or, you know, um, memorizing the entire Bible. And I mean, all of that stuff is amazing. But maturity with God is a deepening mm-hmm. friendship. You know, de- a, a maturing with God is the ability to feel comfortable in the room with Him as a holy God. I'm not saying that there's no reverence or awe or majesty, but there is ultimately this sense of invitation mm-hmm. into a divine friendship and this coexistence. And I think that's just the most, I mean, t- to make that statement on earth today that we can know God in, in a cohabitation of, or friendship is just the most astounding vision of what it means to be human. I, I just still blows me away all these years later. I, I totally agree. It's, I, and like I said, I've been enjoying reading Beholding, and it's it's out now, right? It sure did is, it, man. When did it go? It got it came That's out awesome. February seven. So yeah, I'm a few days into to it being launched, and um. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's great. It's great to see it in people's hands. You spend a lot of time writing, eh? It's wonderful to see actually someone holding the book and saying, "I'm reading it." It's a good feeling. <laughs> hey, I thought it was. I thought it was beautifully written, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of makes me want to look at your other works as well. Tell me a little bit about how you let's let's kind of let's kind of go back a little bit and see. You you said that you struggled with uh, some medical issues, and how was that transition uh, coming? coming from a musician to now a writer. Let's get into that a little mm. bit. Yeah, I mean that was that was actually a really hard transition for me. You know, I I've been writing songs since I was 8 years old. Like I'm one of those guys that mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I woke up one morning decided I want to be a musician, that my dream was to play, you know, stadium shows and release albums and do all that kind of jazz and that's what I pursued 100% my whole life by the time I was 18, I was playing in a stadium with my band for 25,000 people, you know, on radio, recording in one of New Zealand's top studios. And so that, and that's always been my dream. And so when I came into my 20s and I'm still doing music and, and I'm, I'm solo now and I'm doing a lot of travel and I get sick, I'm like unable to sing now. I'm unable to tour and my career is really just getting pulled out from underneath me. That was a massive existential crisis for me because music wasn't just something I longed to do. It was also something that God really boldly called me to in, in, a, in a clear way. And so it was very intertwined. And I, I went through quite a spiritual crisis. Um, I mean, I was sick, so I was going through a physical crisis. And, uh, you know, if you're sick for long enough, you'll struggle with the mental wrestle as well. You know, it's just part and parcel. You, if right. you talk to a lot of people with chronic sickness, Stuff like anxiety about the future and your family. I mean, that stuff is very common. So it was a mental crisis, but it was also a spiritual crisis because I was asking questions like, God, how could you let this happen? And why won't you heal me? And why would you call me to do something and then not you know, resource me to be able to do that? And so I think mm-hmm. what happened was in my wrestling with the wise, I saw I came to a place where I was able to start beginning to ask, who questions? So after like a year or so of sickness, it, I went from God, why am I sick? Or why won't you heal me to God? Who are you really? You know, who are you? What, like, right. what is your goodness in this moment? And as I sort of stopped asking the whys and looking for answers and started looking for the person of God, I just got completely 
undone. <laughs> I just completely pulled apart all my so much of my theological boxes and assumptions pulled apart, and I ended up in this place where I either had to accept that God was good, loving, and true, whether I could sort of emotionally right. or physically experience in that at moment or not. And if he is good, loving, and true, then it was up to me to figure out how to wrestle with that and to realign my expectations with it. And mm -hmm. I think what happened was that, um, is that I began to love God for who he is and not for what he gave me. You know, I, I began to love God for his person, his existence rather than for the sense of security or importance or mission that he gives me. And that just naturally led to me beginning to write because I mean, I couldn't sing. So, and I love lyrics. Right. So it ended up, you know, I'm on Instagram one day and I just posted a little poetic prayer and some thoughts and I just, I don't know what happened. People really liked it. So I just kept posting them and sort of six years on now, I've been posting these prayers for that long and I no, had never oh, wow. intended it. It wasn't in my mind at all. It wasn't a plan, this whole <laughs> thing. And doing this book, doing prayer ministry has not been at mm. all. I never woke up one morning and wanted to do this. It has simply been me trying to do the best I can to say yes to God every day to the little things that come up. And um, it's it's an adventure. I've got no idea where I'll be next year, but I, I just know that if I keep saying yes, God will keep pulling me in his direction. We we tend to think that we can do it on our own and that and mm -hmm. we kind of push God aside. But when, when we do allow God to take hold of our lives and to um, direct us according to his will, we find that things go so much better. Just like you were saying, yeah. you, you, you didn't know where to go after this. And he blesses you with the ability to write books yeah. based on, you know, yeah. from out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think it's important because we often feel when we go through hard times, and I think this is how I felt in the early years, uh, because I'm still sick, you know, still, the last two years have almost been the mm -hmm. worst of my life in terms of my um, health journey. But I think we mm -hmm. can we can assume that I'm going through something now and on the other side of this, I'm God's going to use it or on the other side of this, I'm going to know what to do. Or once I'm through this, and I think what this journey has taught me is that even in our worst moments, you know, where we feel like everything is falling apart and we've got no hope. There is always some kind of life sprouting up, some kind of beauty, some kind of goodness of God is presence. There's not a wasted day. And so I think what I learned through this experience is if we just keep saying, what do I have in my hands right now? And what can I give just as an act of love and adoration and worship to God? There is always something that springs up even out of our darkness. And for so that whole revelation for me of even the darkness is not dark to you. You know, the Psalm, I think it's Psalm 139. Um, is mm -hmm. powerful because I think what God does is he comes in and he lives and exists and brings beauty and life amidst what feels like total death and destruction to us. And that's kind of one of his miracle personality traits. <laughs> you know, it just seems to be something yeah. he loves to do. And I'm really grateful for that. And so how did you, can you, would you be able to say now <clears throat> at this point, looking back on it, that despite all the mental anguish and physical anguish that you were going through, that this has actually helped you uh, pull through what you were previously thinking as far as like, why God, why this? Mm. I, I would say that um, 
this my my wrestling suffering and sickness has radically transformed me and so yeah the i i no longer desire to even ask the question of why and that's not out of some kind of um giving up or ignorance it's purely that i'm so excited about the adventure of who that to 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 be in these situations say god who are you and and what you know what are you doing now it draws me toward it so yeah i think it 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 changed me irrevocably i can't go back to needing to understand everything like i used to i think this desire to just right. be with and experience god in prayer so yeah it has and I, honestly i'm thankful for it i mean it's been just horrible 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 in, in regards to the some of the darknesses that i've you know had to face and yet the mm-hmm. gift that of god that has come through it is just i wouldn't give it up for anything that's awesome so i've got a question for you um, and it's something I think that a lot of us do struggle with as we're talking about be beholding and a new way to look at a prayer. Cause I want to so bad, like a beggar in my soul, like a beggar in the world, just to find you, Lord. Sorry, man. Truck's just pulling up outside. That's I was right. just closing the window. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, you know, as we're talking about your your new book and this new way to look at prayer, how could you offer any advice that um, I've even found myself thinking, like, how do I listen better? How do mm. I know what the what God's calling is as far as like, um, I know we've talked about being just being alone and not saying anything, but do you have anything else to add on top of that as far as just hearing God's words? Yeah, so I mean, I I always whenever it comes to listening with God for me, I think the best place to start is to say it's a it is a skill that takes time. Do you know what I mean? It's something that we have mm-hmm. to invest time in and sharpen. It's like anything else in life, you know. You can't just open the Bible once and expect to memorize the whole thing. It takes work and right. and and time, you know. So, I think one of the things about hearing God is that um, the one of the ways that we learn to discern His voice is by testing it against all the other voices in our lives. And what what do I mean mm-hmm. by that? Like asking God what He thinks about a thing, and then sitting with with what you feel He might respond. And testing it against scripture and friends and, and you know, and you go, oh, man, that was totally wrong. And so like, oh, so that's what it feels like when I hear something and it's not God. And then sometimes that, that was right. Okay, so that's what it feels like when I hear something. So that I think I think failure is key. We've got to try and fail, otherwise we'll never grow. And I think people need to hear that because some people worry that if they're practicing listening to God and they get it wrong, that they're a heretic and, you know, whatever. Well, that's horrible. Imagine if we said, you know, if someone went for a run and they didn't make it the whole distance, that they were never going to be a runner. I mean, I think our whole life is built on trial and error, and it's okay to be like that with God. Just don't go out and say something crazy to someone, you know, like be mature about it. Um, but the way that I listen, so I, do, I have a few practices for listening to God in my life. One of them is I prayer journal, and I, I've been doing that almost every day now for 10 years. And what that looks like is I wake up in the morning and I say, good morning, Father. And I pour all of my heart and mind out to him. And then I pause for a moment and say, is there something you want to share with me? 
And whatever I hear, whatever I sense, without thinking about it, I just straight away write the voice. He might say, good morning, Strawn. And, and, he, and I'll start to write everything that I hear. Now, when I'm doing that, it's in a journal. It doesn't, it's not going to break the world. And I'm not going to emphasize right. it too much. So sometimes I'll write some stuff and go, oh, I don't know if that was God. So I'll just leave that there and see if it bears fruit. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone will bring it up, something similar up in a conversation or a scripture will come to mind and God will grow it. Or maybe it'll just fall away. But over years of doing that, I began to feel what it was felt like, the difference between my voice, my emotions, and God's voice. And um, about three or four years into prayer journaling, I started to become more confident in knowing when it was just me thinking stuff and when it was God. Um, And then, yeah, other things that I do is that I just sit quietly with God and I try and, you know, not listen in my head for words but I listen in my mm-hmm. belly for senses. And I think that was one of the biggest transformations for me too, was when we say, I heard God, we often think somebody heard a sentence in their brain, you know, like our own thoughts. But that can be very right. hard to diagnose, can't mm-hmm. it? Because it's like, we got thoughts going on all the time. And sometimes it's our anxiety or even our like yeah. lusts or anything saying, this is good. So what I try and do is bring my mind right down into my belly where my kind of feel my soul is and I I listen from there and kind of invite God's senses to kind of speak and awaken me and that takes practice too so those would be three things one it's going to take time lots of practice and lots of getting it wrong and that's okay two uh prayer journaling has been really helpful for me it may not be for others but that's been really good and then three for me again listening in my gut almost like bringing it down into my body to get a sense of God's presence and movement, not only just sort of thoughts or words. Yeah, that's how I do it. I like that. I totally agree. I feel, you can feel God's presence a lot more. Like, you know, either you're, if you're thinking of something, you're singing a a worship song or you're um, watching something and you get goosebumps and you, the hairs on your back of the neck start, uh, you know, standing up or, um, you just get all of a sudden emotional for mm. no other reason. Why would you be getting emotional? And that'd be kind of what you're saying in the way of uh, yeah. you're hearing God in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it might even just be, you know, as run of the mill as you go on social media and someone has posted something and it just hits you just out, you know, for no, mm-hmm. no real major reason, you know, and you go, man, I feel like that speaks right to my life right now. Well, that might actually be yeah. the Holy Spirit and you kind of saying in agreement, uh, hey, look, pay attention to this. And I think it's important to to note that. I mean, when you think about communication between people, verbal communication is only about 20 to 30% of, of how someone receives information. Body language is actually, uh, research has shown, is about 70% of a wow. conversation. And so we could think of all of these things as God's body language. You know, what... What helps us to receive God's love more? Hearing it propositionally, yell, you know, yelled at a church on Sunday, or just mm. in a single moment feeling the warmth of God's life and going, I'm loved. It's always mm. going to be the experience over the proposition. So I think yeah. the question is, what is God's body language for me in my life? And how do I explore all of these forms of beholding God outside the just either conscious mental dialogue or propositional truth that we so often reduce prayer and God's experience to. 
And that's why I think it takes time because you got to you got to try things out. And everybody's so different. Everybody hears God differently because he made us all differently. And I think as long as we're bringing it back to scripture, checking it against sort of what he says and who, who Jesus is and what he says, there's so much room. There's so much sort of space to play, I think. That's awesome. I I couldn't have said it better myself, Strong. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but as we as we get close to the end here, I'm excited to get through the rest of your book. If uh, if the rest of your book is like your music I've been listening to all day, I have no <laughs> doubt that it's going to be just as amazing. And let me tell you, oh, you, I have found a couple of your songs that I just absolutely love. Uh, Deliverance mm-hmm. being one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to look up the other one because I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Help Me Believe, especially oh. the studio version. <laughs> yeah. And so... I know that was quite some time ago, but um, mm. we got to try and keep your music alive and as well as get the word out about your books. Yeah. Thanks, man. And I do, I still hope to be able to sing. I mean, I haven't actually, I have this muscular dysphonia issue and I haven't sung for a couple of years, but I still pray and long to be able to let that sound out mm-hmm. again, man. Singing to me is just, singing for me is is like this really unique release valve in my soul. It just makes me awaken and come alive and and find God. It's such a gift. My wife is the same way. She connects with Mm. music um, really well. And um, ah, man, I don't know where where I was going with that. But, uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) you you know, there's just something special about it. And I I sure hope that you can. Does this this, um, medical condition, does it... can, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, you're you're still glorifying God. And of course, you may not be mm-hmm. able to record, but you can still. Can you still physically sing? As far as like, even if no. it sounds off tune, out of tune, whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, it does. It sounds terrible, but it's also just too painful, you know. And it wears it wears out the voice. And most of the time, oh. I just can't even talk very much. I can't talk like I. I mean, I because I did. I taught some online schools for a little bit around prayer during the lockdowns mm-hmm. and I can't do that anymore either. So it, it is a, just a very severe wearing of the, of the, th- of the sort of muscles around the throat. So, um, yeah, can't even, can't even do it and gotcha. sound bad, sadly. <laughs> oh man. Well, at least you can do it in, in spirit and yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've, the writing, the writing process on this book was such a gift. I actually found that in writing, I seem to get the similar experience of the Holy spirit sort of moving through me and allowing mm-hmm. me to speak. So that's been a gift too. That's awesome. And it, it can't be too much different than writing. Um, it, it is probably an easier transition because you wrote mm. your own stuff, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, what yeah. you're writing is close to writing a song. Yeah. Except now instead of instead of in a song, it's in a book. Yeah. Yeah. You're and still I've really felt music. that. Yeah, totally, man. I've really felt that. And that's, I feel like that's just God's grace, man, a real gift to me in my life. Yeah. John, thank you for being on here. Uh, Beholding is your new book. Let's uh, tell people where you can find it. And uh, everybody, I want to encourage you, go out and buy this book. Get it in your hands. Read all the way through it. It's amazing. I can attest to it. I've read not all the way through it yet, but 
<laughs> Strong, yeah. tell us where you can get it. Yep. So you can find it on Amazon uh, or Book Depository or just anywhere that good books are found. And uh, I think it's up there on Audible too. So just give it a Google Beholding and Strawn and, and you'll find it there. And um, Or visit my website, uh, Commoners Communion at uh, commonerscommunion.com. And I'll, I've got it there too, as well as my prayer books and, and my other work. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, and that's also where they can keep up with you. Any new you, yeah. new works you might be coming out with. Yep. And- Find me on Instagram under Commoners Communion and, or sign up to my email and you can stay in touch with everything I'm doing. Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you for being on. I think we're going to uh, call this. I got another podcast coming up uh, here yeah. in just a little while. So, Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you uh, coming on here, talking about your new book. I, I look forward to what you have coming out next. I'm already following you Thanks, on social bro. media. so oh, That's awesome, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. You be well. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. See you, mate. All right. See ya. Guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time on Undaunted Pursuit Podcast. Bye. Hey, guys, and thank you for listening to Undaunted Pursuit Podcast. Give us a good rating on iTunes, good review, leave us five stars, and follow us on YouTube. Click that subscription bell. Keep up to date with the newest episodes. And don't forget to follow us on other social media outlets such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to email us at undauntedpursuit at gmail.com and go to our website at undauntedpursuit.podbean.com. And don't forget, if you like what you're hearing, go to Patreon, follow us on Patreon, subscribe to our channel there there's a small tier for donations any help any support this podcast is made possible by you the patron we thanks for listening we'll see you guys next time see ya your love is a flood and i swim deep when the tide is up oh would you flood me too Sweet to the world oh, And you taste sweet too This is my deliverance Hands held high As you deliver it oh, You have made me a child of God My feet on the ground My heart in heaven I am great made without the living oh, You have made me a child of God in my hand Oh as a gift from you Your world floods my brain This gray cranium won't be the same Oh Where I've been won't do This is my deliverance Hands held high As you deliver it Oh You have made me a child of God on the ground, my heart in heaven I am great made without the living Oh, you have made me a child of God
This is my deliverance, hands held high, as you deliver it all. You have made me a child of God, my feet on the ground, my heart in heaven. I am bread made without the living all. 